Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Detroit Lions Breakdown Podcast. I'm Joe Kenya. With me, as always, is Eric Schlitt from PrideOfDetroit.com. Eric, the Lions have ended a 30-year drought, a drought that has stretched back into our chi- childhoods. Yes. Um, defeating the Minnesota Vikings 30-24, to 24, you know, escaping from Minneapolis after their fourth interception to Nick Mullins and clinched the NFC North division for the first time, clinched any division for the first time since 1993, the old NFC Central, which we talked about last week. How ecstatic are you, Eric? I, I'm I'm pretty ecstatic. Uh, at the same time, I, I don't think I'm as ecstatic as I was expecting because I was expecting this. Like, I was expecting them to win. I predicted them to win the North. I, I thought they were going into this game, and I, th- I projected them to win this game. Um it surely is a nice feeling and uh, it's, it's nice to be able to uh, not have to listen to a lot of those, uh, you know, not, not have to see those graphics on TV of, you know, Oh, the last team that hasn't won a division. And it'd be nice to get all those things out of the way. And, and because I mean, that's, those are always, you know, annoying, but then like, 30 years is such a long time. I don't think like I, it's fully hit me either. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like. Does it need to hit you? No, but I feel like when we get to the off season, I'm going to be able to reflect on it a little bit more. Oh yeah. I, I'm just saying, I, I feel like it'll, it'll, it's going to hit me even harder a little bit later. Uh, but yeah, I'm this surely is ecstatic. How beaten down you've been by this team over time. <laughs> no. They won a division. You know, this is yeah. the stuff that the Vikings and Packers fans take for granted. <laughs> It's no, just something th- that happens every other year. I think it's, I think it's, they still have a chance to be better. They still have a chance for oh, the one seed. Uh, they still, I, you know, they, they could, they could, they're right now they're in the three that they can get up to the two. They can potentially get up to the one. It's um, really it's, out of their hands though. It's, Except uh, for the one, winning their the last one. two games. Yeah. They, they would need, need help to get there. So yeah, to get to the one, you need San Fran to lose. Uh, but if you need, if to get to the two, you just have to win out. Um, but you know, it's that, and then the short week, and 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 you know, your, my focus immediately turned to Dallas, and um, man, it's it's it surely is fun. Um, lots of happiness, lots of excitement uh, in the moment for certain. Uh, I just think when we're when it's all said and done, no matter when they exit, whether it's mid late January or or February. Whenever they exit, we'll be able to we'll be able to look back on this and uh, and be very happy with the season that we just watched uh, or are currently watching, I guess I should say, because it's 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 going to be historic. It's something that we've been, you know, looking at and seeing unfold for a while now. And and so it's it's fun. It's fun to watch it. You know, we talked about it uh, almost a year ago. Going into that Packers game was a changing of the guard. It was, you know, they had so much, you know, they they had won so many games. It was so nice to see them, you know, make that consistent progress. Finish on a a strong note. Right. And so, like, you knew they were, you, you you could see it. Like, you could see, like, this is literal history because they are breaking down a 30 year barrier. And you and you knew it was going to happen. It was inevitable that this team was going to get to this point. You could you could tell, you could see it, and it was it was man, it was fun to watch them get to it. And uh, I'm excited to see 
how these last few weeks play out because I think there's potential for more. Pressure's off these last couple of weeks, which is good. You know, they're not they're not under that pressure of hey, we need to win this division. Hey, we need to secure a playoff berth. That's all out yeah. the window now. So they got the Cowboys this Saturday, and they they have the ability now to play rather free. Yet we mentioned that you know the two seed, the one seed, still kind of on the line, but they have a home playoff game no matter what. You know, they have the division championship no matter what. So they're that 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 first uh, uh, monkey's off their back. You know, that first, that first thing on the checklist is gone. And meanwhile, Dallas needs this game to stay in the, in the hunt for their division because they're, they're a game behind Philly. Now Philly's got an easier record. So Dallas has to win. And so they're, they are feeling a lot of pressure. And so I think there's a lot of people out there that are looking at this game saying the pressure's off Detroit. The pressure's on Dallas, so they expect Dallas to step up and Detroit to kind of like you know step back. and And I don't know if I buy that. Uh, I mean, what what do you do you think? Do you think the pressure being off is going to allow them to become more complacent? Because that's what Dan Campbell said. The biggest act, obstacle in their way was was complacency. So, do you think that lack of pressure is bad or good? Because they no, it's I don't think it's I don't think it's either because we've seen okay. this team no show when they mm-hmm. absolutely could not no show or when we thought that oh there's no way they're going to no show this game and they no showed the green bay game they no showed the baltimore game so i don't think it really matters if the pressure is on or off we're we're going to get okay. some team on saturday and i don't think it's really going to be connected to the the state of the situation of the team what about for dallas do you think that gotta have it is going to you know, is it going to break them or is it going to make them play better? Cause well, you know, you know, the talk always about Dak Prescott is that, you know, you can't win a big game. And I don't know if mm-hmm. this is necessarily a big game for them because what's the worst case scenario, right? If they, Dallas loses out, they still end up as the five seed correct. playing against most likely Tampa Bay in Tampa correct. You know, or New Orleans in New Orleans, which isn't, you know, it, it's very similar to them being the two seed and hosting a playoff game. It's a game they're going to be favored in either way. Sure. You know, so I don't know. I don't know if they, they have, they, they, I'm sure they want the pressure on themselves. I'm sure, I'm sure they want to be the two seed and host a playoff game, but I don't know if there's so much pressure on them at this point. See, I think they feel the pressure because they're expected to win. And at one point they were in that two seed. So mm-hmm. I, my, I, I think they do feel it. Um, and if you listen to Detroit fans, I think most Detroit fans think, Dallas is going to feel the pressure and rise to the occasion um, because I think Detroit fans are being guarded and that's completely understandable, especially considering history Uh, at the same time, the Dallas fans are looking at this game and saying, Oh no, they're under pressure. They're going to completely fold. And it's, it's a very interesting thing situation because you have two teams that both have double digit wins are both in the playoffs mm-hmm. and are basically fighting for seeding at this point. And both fan bases are kind of bracing for the worst, well, um, yeah. you know, and, and I don't think either, either fan base overwhelmingly is like, we're the better team. Now, there's a lot of lions fans. that think they're the better team. I'm sure there's a lot of Cowboys fans that think they're the better team as well, but I'm saying like the kind of general consensus I'm getting is that both fan bases are kind of, you know, preparing for a just in case. So it's interesting. It's very interesting to go in because I think my initial feeling was looking at the pure numbers. 
this is it looks like a scary team and and i'm going to tell you a whole bunch of numbers that are going to scare the crap out of you <laughs> at the same time i'm going to tell you that this is a winnable game and i'm going to tell you how they're going to do well, it sure. so right. no nope. um, i got a it's a winnable game certainly but yeah yeah it's gonna be interesting it, 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 i don't know like no matter what happens, it's not going to teach us anything. We're not going to walk away from that game going, oh, we learned something about the Lions this week, or we learned something about the Cowboys yeah. this week. I think it could go, you know, anyway, Cowboys blow out, Lions blow out, close game Lions win, close game Cowboys yeah. win. And I don't think we really learned anything about either team. I I'm in, I think if they can go into Dallas and beat them, I think that'll tell me a lot. Um, really? Because, yeah, I think it will. Um, because... It's a really good team. Look, Dallas is seven and zero on the road. And when I get into some of these numbers again, I'm going to tell you how dominant they've been at home. Uh, they they are the most Jekyll and Hyde team when it comes to home versus away that I've seen in quite some time. It's right. very startling. Yeah. Um, and so if you can walk in and 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 beat this team that has been tremendous at home all season. It'll tell me something. It'll tell me that this team, that the Lions are, look, they've been making steps. They've been making very positive steps forward over the last few weeks. And if they can make another positive step forward, that'd be very encouraging for me. So I, I look, I, I know this was, uh, I, I don't want to gloss over the division title too much, but uh, I am also excited for this game. So, uh, I didn't get, really give you a chance. Did you, uh, or maybe I cut you off. Did you want to talk a little bit about the division title and like what you were thinking or going through or or what you were feeling? Because uh, I want to hear your opinion on it too. Well, I don't know. I mean, I was I was certainly concerned. You know, me and the the concern the the curse concern. When John <laughs> Kaminsky doesn't fall on the fumble. It's like, mm. all right. Well, this is this has opened the door wide open. You know, like the, there's. The Badgley botched extra point. You know, it's like, man, this is all going to come back to haunt him. It's going to be 31 to 30. It's, it's going to be horrible. So <laughs> you know, there's always that concern. I don't think I'm the only one in that boat who was thinking that way. Sure. And when they won, it was great. I don't know. I didn't get too excited when they won because, like you said, like this was the expectation. This was your expectation. This is, you know, a lot of analysts' expectation out there. And it, it's, it's great to see that the Lions lived up to the expectations bestowed upon them. So I don't, I don't know. I didn't get too excited about it because they're, they are where we thought they were going to be They're mm. They're, they're achieving, which is good, you know, which is something to feel good about, but they're, they're on target right now. So I don't know. No reason to get too excited, but I don't know. That's what was going through my head. That and it was <laughs> Christmas Eve and there's yeah. all the stuff to do, you know, like <laughs> we're leaving, you know, it's, so I don't know. I, didn't get too much time to dwell on it. I, uh, with about nine minutes left in the game, Jeremy said to me, um, are you superstitious or do you want to pre-write the lions win the North or, do, or are you too nervous that if you start writing it, then it won't happen. And I was, I was like, no, they're winning. They're winning this game. Like I felt you're not superstitious, but you're a little stitious. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I mean, I, I used the last nine minutes and uh, watched it in combination of uh, of writing up a very short and you know, but excited Lions win, and uh, I was I was happy that 
uh, I, I didn't jinx it because I would have felt bad. I would have felt bad <laughs> if I jinxed it. I don't know. I don't think you're that type. You're not a. You're not a. I jinxed it type. No, I'm just kidding. I was just kidding around. Uh, I mean, it's, but it's, it's. I I I I believe in. I mean, I really don't believe in. I believe in curses, but jinx is not as much. Now people are being like, "Well, what's the difference?" But it's more of a narcissist type of thing that, like, you what you did. You know, this is what I did that affected this team so negatively. Like, okay, yeah, you have. You know. Well. I think uh, I I, th- I think that's inherent, right? Like that's why people wear lucky shirts. Oh yeah, that's why sit that, in a certain spot on the couch. Yeah, or whatever. exactly, you know. exactly. Yeah, I know. There's nothing wrong with it. Like no, I, I understand it exists. Yeah, part of the fun. Yeah. Yep. All right, let's dig into the injuries. There were no transactions this week. We are doing this a day early, so everything's a little off kilter. Although the Lions do play one day early this week. Tuesday practice, which was yesterday, was a walkthrough. Uh, defensive back C.J. Gardner-Johnson, pectoral injury in the evaluation window. He's been limited in practice. He's got a chance to come back, right? Um, all the news has been positive. The fact that he's been limited, though, in all five of his practices tells me he's not quite there. Uh, I'd love to see a full practice in him before I think they would be ready to, to activate him at the same time there's still one more practice to go this week. So uh, there's a chance he plays. If he does, it's going to make uh, how they utilize their secondary very interesting. But uh, if he needs another week, he's he's got another week in the evaluation process if he needs it. And so I still expect him to be activated before the end of the season. Whether it's this weekend or not, uh, I'm not quite sure. I, it'll be interesting because he brings so much motivation and uh, confidence and leadership. It'd be uh, it'd be a lot of fun to get him back on the field. You answered my question because I was going to ask, does he even play at all before the end of the regular season? Like, will they try to get him in against Minnesota or will they just wait and throw him out there against the Seahawks or the Rams or whoever? I, I think ideally they'd like to get all of their injured players in next week, if possible. Um, Aleem will be able to be elevated James Houston, they said, was close. Uh, Campbell actually said he, he was going to elevate him this week and then backed off, and then they haven't elevated him yet. So it sounds like he might come back. So they might end up elevating or starting the evaluation window on both McNeil and James Houston next week. So they could have four guys just sitting there waiting uh, if 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 Gardner Johnson or Kambinda don't get elevated this week. So if they can get them all in just to get their feet wet in week 18, I think that would be ideal. That, that would be a great part of the plan. At the same time, adding four guys is a lot. And you'd have to make four roster moves in order to get them in. And with the postseason on the horizon, I don't know how much movement they are going to necessarily be wanting to do um, before it's necessary. So I don't know. It's going to be very interesting to see how these last couple of weeks play out with these uh, with these guys returning. All right, you, they mentioned this quickly. J, fullback Jason Kabinda, knee injury. He's also in the validate the evaluation window, limited in practice. And we don't know much about him. Um, we're not getting a lot of information about him. It's possible he comes back. Possible he needs another week. Uh, so we'll just have to kind of wait and see as it goes with it with uh, Kabinda. Tight end Brock Wright, hip injury. Did not practice Tuesday or Wednesday. Yeah, he um, not with him not practicing. 
that could be like an open door to want to get Kabinda back because he can help do some of those things. Um, last week they elevated Fersker to uh, from the practice squad to play tight end three. Um, I didn't really notice much about him, uh, which is not unusual for tight end three. Uh, but at the same time, if you can get a guy like Cabinda to kind of to come in and help out with that, maybe have Dan Skipper run a couple of uh, tight end three reps, then you know you can make do. So I think they can get by without Brock. It's not ideal, but the fact that they had didn't put him on IR is a pretty good indicator that they're again expecting him to be available before the end of the season or at least ahead of the uh, the playoff game. Right tackle, Panay Sewell, shoulder injury, full practice Tuesday, Wednesday. He should be fine. Uh, played with it and was there was a non-issue. He was uh, he played every snap, and he's been full. So uh, seems like a non-issue here. Center, Frank Ragnow, toe, back, and knee injuries, full practice Tuesday and Wednesday. Yeah, so he's in good shape. Uh, maybe he gets a day off on Thursday. Uh, maybe not. I don't think it's going to matter either way. He should be good to go. And um, that's that's a, a really good step uh, towards, you know, the offensive line doing what they need to do. Left tackle, Taylor Decker, groin injury, limited Tuesday, did not practice on Wednesday. So in the limited, remember, was a walkthrough. So they were estimating that he would have been able to practice. And then Wednesday, he didn't show up. Now, before we panic over this, it's important to keep in mind it's a short week. He's a veteran with a soft tissue injury. They may just want to give him a veteran's day off. If you look at Dallas, they gave five veterans rest days last um, uh, on Tuesday. And Zach Martin, they're all, you know, all pro uh, right guard. He got two days of veterans rest. So he doesn't he didn't practice at all. And so, and he's not injured. So this could simply be a veteran's rest day for Decker. He could come back on Thursday and be ready to go. At the same time, you have to, there's, if you're slightly worried about this, I completely get it because if he doesn't play, you're probably elevating. Well, (laughs) no, I need that offensive line attack. No, I agree with you. It's because it would be Dan Skipper or or Colby Sorsdall. And so then the question becomes, do you shift Panay to left and yes, then put Skipper or, well, what if I told you that Micah Parsons spends about two thirds of his time uh, blitzing the right or, you know, attacking the right tackle. Mm-hmm. So that well, makes what's more effective bit... for him. Well, he usually comes off the left side. So he usually comes, he usually attacks well, the right. Mean, that, that doesn't mean, does he get the same amount of pressures? Does he get two, does he get two thirds of his pressures when he's coming from, the left side, the offensive right side, you know, like if yeah, that's I, true, well then, you I, know, I, I have not broken it down that far. I don't know where he's gotten all his, because he's got like, he leads the league. He's got like 90 pressures. So sure. I'm not sure exactly how that breaks down. Um, Sewell's got to flip back and forth, play to play, even though you never see that. Like wherever, <laughs> wherever Parsons lines up, he's got to line up. Cause it, it, think about that. If they don't play Decker now, you know, I'm not, um, I'm I'm not Dan Quinn running the Cowboys defense, but Mm. wouldn't you, you're going to take it. If if Decker doesn't play, you'll take advantage of wherever Sewell isn't to line up Parsons. Right. I don't think it really matters. And really where he lines up because they're just going to put Parsons over on the other side for the most part. One would assume. 
And keep in mind, it's Demarcus Lawrence on the other side too. So it's not like it's a down uh, that much right. of a downgrade, right? It's still a really good defensive end uh, or, you know, five technique. And they're going to have to lean on tight ends more if, if Decker can't play. And so, you know, maybe you put both of them out there, you know, you put Skipper and then you, you're, you put Colby and then, you know, put Skipper out there as a tight end too, just for fun. Yeah. Um, I, I, I'm joking, but a little bit, well, no, they, but it's, they but it's an option, but it's an option. Package. Yeah. Yes. Um, here's my gut. My gut is it's not it, Decker's injury. Isn't as bad as it looks on paper. Okay. Um, for them to have estimated that he would have played and based on a couple of things that I've heard, I'm just speculating that my gut is hopefully it's not that bad. Now I don't have anything definitive and that's purposeful on the lion's part, but I'm, I'm staying optimistic that uh, he'll be okay. Cause remember he played every snap as well. And um, he's been able to, play through injuries, you know, uh, quite a bit. So I'm hoping that it's just a short week rest type of thing for Decker here. Well, I hope you're right about that. So flipping over to the defensive side of the ball, linebacker, Derek Barnes, shoulder injury, full practice Tuesday, and Wednesday. So that's a good sign. He can come back, start splitting reps uh, with Jack Campbell and uh, just gets another athlete, gets him also back on the field in, in football, you know, in, in good football shape before the, the postseason. How does that affect the offense? Malcolm Rodriguez now available to play a little bit full backer. There's another guy to throw out there with those different packages on offense. Side note, every tackle Malcolm made against the Vikings was almost like single leg takedowns or like, did you see like they were all, I thought he played pretty well. I thought he did too. I thought he did too. And he was not playing much. He was driving through guys. He was cooking that leg like a, like a, like a all state wrestler does. He's happy to um, be out there. He looked good. He looked good. Um, Jerry Jacobs, cornerback hamstring injury, full practice Tuesday and Wednesday. So he's ready to come back, which is a good thing. You know, obviously he's, they could have used him. Well, (laughs) uh, he's lost his, uh, he's lost his starting role. And I think, you know, Dorsey's been the starter. I think Vildor has been playing better. I actually wouldn't be surprised if Vildor jumps Dorsey uh, this week. I think there's some potential. At the same time, Dorsey is their speed corner. And so Dorsey is a guy that they are going to, you know, that they may utilize to try and run like bracket coverage on CD Lamb or something like that. And so with Dorsey being their speed guy, he could get the start, even though I think Vildor has played better and and I would consider starting him as well. I don't think Jacobs is in the mix, but he can be he can be a starting gunner. Uh and he's depth. You know, if they go into um, you know, different sets, Jerry can have a role. And so uh if anything, the like I said, the depth is a, a huge asset to have moving forward. All right, that's it for the injury report. Moving on to the Vikings game. Once again, 30-24 to 24 win for the Lions up in Minneapolis. Uh, Nail-biter at the end. Jameer Gibbs, 100 total yards, 19 touches, two touchdowns. Certainly emerged as the number one option. Some people were nervous at the early part of the season, but you looked great in the preseason. Now looks just great all the time. 
nearly yeah. tore nearly tore some ACLs out there with a couple of his moves. Yeah, he looks great. Oh yeah, and he like I, we said this last week, he looks like he's getting better as the season is going on, and the fact that they're running this like two headed monster at running back, I think makes these guys have more, more longevity. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and uh, you know, Montgomery's less than a hundred yards away from a thousand. Gibbs is just over a hundred yards from getting to a thousand. I think these guys both break a thousand by the end of the year. Like this it's... is your favorite stats thing of the year. <laughs> this is not the first time you've brought it up. It, I mean, I don't know when's the last time two lion running backs both hit a thousand yards in the same season. I don't know if it's ever happened. I think it, I think it has. And it was something, it was like a weird, like Steve Owens and somebody else like uh, no, in the it 1970s. Was like, it, it was like Reggie Bush and Joyke Bell or something like that. No something way. Like, I, I know it wasn't that, but I'm saying it was like something like that. Like I feel like it was one of those, I don't know. Maybe I'm just speaking out of my head here. Um, but it wasn't, it wasn't them. But I feel like it was something unusual like that where they had two guys. I digress. Gibbs. Oh, now I'm now I'm fascinated. Now I want to know. <laughs> Gibbs, um, Gives us look great. And um, there was a stretch there where they didn't turn to Montgomery and we started speculating on if Montgomery was hurt. Uh, and they said, no, they just thought Gibbs was the, had the better skill set for what they were trying to accomplish. Um, he absolutely gashed players. Uh, like you said, in the middle of the, in the open field, that move he put on the corner that that filled the gap in the in the slot there to try and uh, cut him off, and he just like teleported to the left and then got caught on the shoestring tackle by uh, Wandham. Um, that was insane. That was just an insane uh, a run, and so we saw a lot of fun things like that. And I'm expecting to see more of them over the next several games as well. He's just he's sensational right now. Jared Goff poised under pressure. This thing, we got the Goff we get when he's not being chased around in the backfield. Cool, call, cool calm, collected. He's nailing Amon Ross St. Brown all over the place. Uh, you know, just an extremely efficient game by him. He hit on 75% of his passes. He's finding Jamison Williams five times for, you know, goodness sake. Like, uh, very good yeah. game by him. He was, it was a no doubter. And Minnesota didn't like dial back the blitz or anything. It was just the lines were picking it up and he didn't seem rattled by it at all. And so I think those are all really positive signs because now what we've seen over the last two weeks is two of the top five blitzing teams uh, bring heat and the lions pick it up and Jared Goff not be phased by it. And so that's huge moving forward because Dallas, I think is uh seventh most or something like that. They blitz like 30% of the time or something like, so Dallas is going to blitz uh, their fair share. And so it's going to be another, you know, setup for Goff to, to uh, step up again. He's made some nice throws. He's, he's kept the ball moving. And uh, I was, I was impressed by what he did. All right, quick read off here. Lions thousand yard seasons all time. Okay. Barry Sanders, Billy Sims, James Stewart, Kevin yeah. Jones. There. So Stewart. No, no. Stewart and Jones, 2000, 2004. Jamal right. Williams, 
Steve Owens, James Stewart again in 2002. I don't see it. Reggie Bush 2013, Kevin Smith 2008. No, he didn't even reach a thousand. So that's it. So all right. So no, so I, no, I was wrong. Do not have a fair. No, it's it's, <laughs> it's fine. That it wasn't about proving you wrong in this situation. No, I just no, wanted no. to know if there was one of those, and it's not. This would be the first time ever. There's got to be some other silly stat then that that has had that has caught my memory for what it was um i mean it, a thousand now that i'm pausing to think about it i guess is probably silly um and it is a silly stat uh but there was probably some there was some something else that jogged my memory that caught my uh attention on that i i'm gonna now i'm gonna have to go look it up because yeah, maybe it was find out what it is because maybe it was something like 700 now. yards or whatever i don't know regardless um right. the offense has been good Right. You're putting up 30 points uh, and you're doing you're getting things done. Right. You know, the defense is going to give up points because, you know, yes, they're dialing up pressure. Yes, they're making plays, but they're still a little leaky in that secondary and um, they're going to give up points. And if they're going to give up points, you're going to have to put up a lot of points on offense. And they really aren't doing having a hard time doing so. I mean, that Minnesota defense is no joke. They are better than the defense that we're going to see this week. And uh, they're, they're legitimately awesome. And so, and, and Denver's defense has been rising. Right. And so I expect the lions to be able to put a points on, on the Cowboys as well, even though um, most teams have not, especially in uh Jerry world. I, I, I think the lions have the, the lions offense is playing good enough to do it. Defense improved over previous weeks. That the Vikings couldn't run the ball at all. They got they got stifled the entire game. Whereas Nick yeah. Mullins found some success, except he did throw four interceptions. But <laughs> when you can't run the ball, they kind of just let them let loose. You know, like right. what's the worst thing that could happen? You know, they can't run the ball anyways. Let's chuck the ball down the field. We got Justin Jefferson. He could make a great catch. He could draw pass interference, or maybe the ball's incomplete, but you know, then there were also the four interceptions Pepper did. Yeah, he had a lot of yardage that was just YOLO balls, right? Like he was like, let me just throw it to this this is circa Calvin Johnson type stuff where it's just like, I'm gonna throw it up. I don't care if he's double or triple team, I'm just gonna throw it up and let him get it. And he got a bunch of those like that, right? Right. And so yeah, the yardage adds up very quickly when you have arguably the top re wide receiver in the game, um, pulling down the, those YOLO balls all over the place. And so look, uh, okay. Let me pause for a second. That's side. I want a side note here that uh, third down catch on the final drive where he jumps mm -hmm. up and catches it. Yeah. He's, sh he's short, right? Like he was like half a yard short when he comes down and then they walk. Oh up and they yeah. Stick it. yeah. I thought for sure. I'm like, oh, he's short. He looks short. They, they're marking him short. No. And then I was like, oh, please spike the ball because like, and they didn't, you know, they didn't address it on the air. They didn't right. address, they didn't move the chains that we could see. And so I was fully expecting when he spiked the ball, I was like, oh my gosh, is the game over? And then I realized, <laughs> and they panned back and it was like, oh, now it's second down. Uh, he was fully short, right? You agree with that? I like he was. I don't know. I mean, because remember, we cannot take that the 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 yellow line is not official. You know, <laughs> I don't. It, it, that's the thing. It's the announcers too, because there's too much happening for them 
that they're not bringing this up, even though it's crucial, it's critical to what's happening yeah. in the game, and they blow it off as it's nothing. Even <laughs> they, which, even if they don't think it is anything, they need to say it's. Yep, it looks like you got enough for a first down there, and just like go on from there. But the the fact they leave it out that does that is that does bother me when that does happen. <laughs> Although I, I, but over the years and watching that yellow line and having it not be official, I always kind of sit at the. Yeah, he probably made it. They'll mark it where he made it. You know, so it's. <laughs> That's fine. I think they marked it first down because they didn't want made for a good ending. Well, well, not to the, <laughs> not necessarily that it made for a good ending, but I think they they'd rather err on the side of him getting it than err on the side. Right. You know what I mean? And yeah. so, um, be a lot worse for them, for right? Because the if he because if he the gets complaining it, after the fact, yeah. Oh yeah, because like this is yeah. If he gets it and and then they mark him short and then it you know then it's then a yeah, it's bad news bears for them. So, um, yeah, I certainly think them marking him with a first down is in their best interest. Uh, overall, though, yeah, I thought you know what, look, I thought the defense did did better in in a in a fair amount of ways. The 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 run defense continues to be stout, which is going to be incredibly important in the postseason. How many times do we watch these postseason games year after year and see the fact that the teams that can run the ball and stop the run are the teams that advance? And so, right, I like how that's built. I like that 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 part of the defense has not scaled back. They have been a top five run defense from start to finish, and that's that's huge. And uh, I think I'm very excited about that. Now the star was was iffy though right melifonu five tackles two sacks interception did it all he the the fact that they're they've learned how to blitz him is awesome uh and then for him to have the pass breakup skills and the interception skills that he's had in the last two games is astounding he's deep he he was the nfl's defensive player of the week this week because of what he did like I don't understand how I like, I guess I do Um, like all when all of a sudden the light bulb flips back on, you know, when the light bulb flips on for these guys and all of a sudden they're like, it all makes sense to them now. You know what I mean? Like to be steadily improving, steadily improving. And all of a sudden it's like the world is, is all of a sudden way open for them. And that's what we're seeing with iffy and, and uh, Justin Rogers pointed this out earlier he said this is in a lot of ways a lot of what happened with James Houston last year. A guy that that we weren't accounting for that comes out and makes plays that are impacting the game. Uh not just, you know, not just playing a good starting role, but he's making game-changing plays and it's that that's what Houston did that last year and that's why so many people fell in love with Houston. I feel like that's what we're going to see. I feel like we're we're seeing a fan base starting to fall in love with Iffy. And it's going to be very fun to see if he can keep this up because if he can, boy, oh boy, it gives the, the Lions defense a ton of options on how they want to approach uh, things moving forward. Yeah, and that's a big thing for us as fans to pay attention to, too, that especially now that we're a team that's considered one of the good teams, hopefully becoming one of the most well-run teams in the NFL, but that's the thing. It, all these teams we used to watch in the past, the rookies needed to come in 
and kind of be stars right away, or really kind of fill a role right away. And then when mm-hmm. they couldn't do that, they'd have to move on quicker from to find some veteran that could do it to, you know, to some ability, right? Now, now they can bring in guys and they can bring them along, right? Right. Hey, this guy's my, and, and they can tune out a lot of us complaining as fans, a lot of the, uh, the analysts complaining, you know, about how, hey, this guy's no good. This guy's no good. Be like, well, hey, this guy's 21 years old. And, he, you know, like he doesn't know everything about playing NFL football yet, but we're going to get him there. And it's going to take, mm-hmm. you know, 25 weeks, regular season weeks to get him there. Like, so yeah. let's not get too excited about him not playing so well, because this is, this is the kind of thing that can happen when you do have some patience and you do have some other options while, while some of these guys are, are, are growing as players. Right. You're seeing it with Derek Barnes. Right, Derek. Barnes. Right, that was another two years. That took two years before he started to piece everything together. Right, and so that's you know you're seeing what we're seeing from some of these rookies this year is just them playing like 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 crazy. Lights but like out. with Brock Martin, even, but even Gibbs needed a few weeks before he really sure. started to blossom. Go, go, go ahead, sorry, no, but that's but still one gonna... year. You know, that's that's not the best example. Right, but but like with Broderick Martin. You know, people are like, oh, you know, this is a miss for, for Brad Holmes or you don't he, know that yet. he might. Yeah. He, he, he may come along and then all of a sudden be like, holy cow, because we've seen the talent, like in training camp, we've seen this man who is a massive man with very quick movement and very good power. We've seen some of the crazy things that he can do. If he comes on and is starting a year from now, two years from now, it's going to be another win. But so like exercise patience with Broderick because Broderick could be on the same path as these other guys where, you know, if he was a third round pick too, like it it, it may take some time for them to go, but the few Brad Holmes drafts guys with talent, you know what I mean? And so hopefully it's, it's just, you know, it ideally it comes along quicker, sooner than later. But right, sooner more often than not, we're seeing all almost all of these guys, you know, find success, and so we can hope for the same from uh, from like Broderick and, and others. As they build a roster with depth, which we hope they continue to do over the next several years, like they'll have the ability to do this because they can. They won't have to cut bait early, and you know, Martin he may right. not pan out. At least they have the ability, they have the team, they have the ability to kind of bring them along and make a final decision, not not a snap decision on them. You know, they'll, they'll have time to figure out whether this is worth chasing for longer or not. I don't know. I think it's a really good thing. Yeah, for sure. I agree with you. All right. Do you have anything else to say about this Vikings game? Thank goodness they... Uh, <laughs> they punched their ticket to the playoffs because you know things could have if they would have lost and then that dallas gave a lot of pressure on that and things get harrowing and now you know the vikings for sure would have beat green bay this week and <laughs> they'd be playing for all of it you know in, in week 18 although the Lions still might have punched a playoff spot by then but you know yeah they have it all behind them it is it's nice like it's it's nice to have that pressure off for them but it's also nice to have pressure off for fans too, as well, right? Yeah, like it's it's nice a lot. E- to- things are a lot easier for you, Eric. That's what we need. We need no, you taking it easy. <laughs> we don't need you all wound up. Well, I'm excited about this game. All right, this game is the Dallas Cowboys. It'll be Saturday night. Lions 
are underdogs in this one plus six it opened yeah. what, at three and a half or four and it's just no steadily... i the first time i saw it it was five and a half and then oh, okay. it went up to oh. then it went up to six six and a half and then it's back down to six again okay all right so, so it's not creeping as much as i i i thought it was but yeah lion's not favorite not a surprise yeah again okay so let's let's look at some of the reasons why one we talked earlier about the fact that the Cowboys have more pressure on them because they have to win in order to stay in the fight. Whereas the lions don't. So there's more pressure on the Cowboys, but when you look at how Dallas performs at home versus how they perform uh, on the road, it's a startling contrast. For example, at home, they've scored 30 points every single time they've played at home. Okay. But it's not just 30 points. They average 39.9 points at home. So they're averaging almost 40 points a game when they play at home. That's a crazy number, especially because they average giving up less than two touchdowns. So they're giving up 13 and change to opponents, but scoring 40. That's an average game for them at home. They're not just beating teams at home. They're beating the, the pants off teams at home. Yeah. Okay. So Quite like, visual. uh, <laughs> For the only the, so the game that they only scored thirty was against the Jets in Week Two. Yeah, thirty right? to ten win. Uh, they scored thirty eight against New England, forty three against the Rams, forty nine against the Giants, forty five against Washington. None of those are barn burner teams, right? Uh, but they scored forty one against Seattle, and they scored thirty three against Philly. So. Again, they're still scoring over 30 points against some of these teams. Now, Seattle's defense is, you know, they we've seen them give up points, and Philly's defense is not we've we've realized of late they're not as good as they once were. Struggling as for recent. Yeah. So, but but Dallas has been putting up points, right? And that has been a huge catalyst at home. Now, they've been putting up so many points, their point differential is plus 171 at home. That's insane. Oh, their yeah. tur- their turnover margin is plus 10 at home, right? So all of these things at home are why I think they're favored by what they are. Because Dallas doesn't just win, they win big, right? And so I think that's what they're looking at. Now, Dallas though, okay, so that that's that's <laughs> why I think that's that's how why I think the line is what it is. We'll get into more about why I think they're more vulnerable in a minute, but let's, I'll, I'll cap it there. That's why I think the line is so big. ESPN's Monday night football crew will be doing the game. Joe Buck, Troy Aikman, Lisa Salters, no Manning cast for this one, no Peyton and Eli. So we're stuck with Joe and Troy. Yeah. There's no Monday night football this week. So they're doing the Monday night football crew on Saturday night. The reason there's no Monday night football is because that's the national college football football playoffs. Yeah. Well, the play, I thought the playoffs were on the third. Wait, 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 wait. Monday's the first, first. right? Yeah. Isn't it? Okay. Yeah. They are playing. Never mind. They are playing on the first. Yeah. Yeah. The, the playoffs are on the first. And so they uh, aren't messing with that. They're they're So no Monday night game for the, for the NFL, just Saturday and Sunday games this week. And there's no Monday night in week 18 either. Correct. Yeah, Monday night is pretty much for done. preparing for the playoffs. But then yes. Monday night football returns in week one of the, <laughs> in the wild card weekend of the playoffs. Anyhow, it does. All right. Referees, Brad Allen, 10 years in the NFL, all of them as a referee, 11.08 penalties per game, below league average, slightly. Yep. 
about 0.8 below average. So that's that's good. Rather have them below well, average than above. The uh, the penalties we should mention mm-hmm. the Minnesota Lions penalties. Did well, you want to cut? Yeah, well, I can't remember what it was off the top. Of my head. That's what I'm looking looking them up. Okay. I I, I believe it did benefit were... the lot. All right, so Lions were penalized nine times for 52 yards. Minnesota eight for 64. But you know, it the Lions had. I I felt the the game was more officiated in the Lions' favor, even though both teams piled up a bunch of penalties. 17 I, penalties of the game. I felt like it was more. It, they I feel like they threw a lot more penalties on the Lions early. And then it kind of swayed a little bit. Petered out that. from there. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, seven, 17 penalties is, is a, lot. a lot. Yeah. And, and we knew that last week's crew was over, right? We talked about that. Like they had, they were over before. So hopefully this week's crew backs it off a little bit and uh nice clean game. Ideally. DVOA stats. Lions are seven overall offensively fifth. Ninth throwing the ball, fourth running the ball defensively, 14th, 16th against the pass, fourth against the rush. Special teams continues to sink, now rated at 22 overall. Cowboys, number six overall in the NFL, offensively, ninth, 10th throwing the ball, 14th running the ball on defense, sixth, eighth against the pass, 12th against the rush. Special teams crew rated at sixth overall. So very even setup. Yep, and when you look at where they match up or where the Lions, I guess, match up best, it's going to be uh, the run. It's going to be they, they're they running the ball on offense and stopping the run on defense. Those are the two areas where they match up the best. And then the Cowboys hold the advantages in both of the passing uh, comparisons. So, again, these are overall season numbers. And I and I and I want to point to you know the fact that the Cowboys have done a lot of damage point wise. They got a lot of really good stats, uh, but it's it's what's been happening to them recent recently that I think makes them vulnerable. All right, I mentioned earlier records ten and five, second in the NFC East. They've lost two in a row, including the twenty two twenty defeat at the hands of the Miami Dolphins down in Miami on Sunday. Seven and zero at home. You've laid that on out nicely, Eric. Their losses are to the Cardinals, surprisingly. Niners, mm-hmm. Eagles, Bills, Dolphins. So they've lost to four of the better teams in the NFL. Bills, maybe not by record, but certainly people fear them quite a bit. Uh, their wins: they've beaten the Giants twice, the Eagles, the Commanders, the Seahawks, the Jets, the Pats, the Rams, Chargers, and Panthers. Mike McCarthy's crew. He's been under. Uh, a lot of pressure over the past couple of years. Not so much this year. They've eased off on them a little bit. They have, which is a bit surprising because I feel like right now it is when they're kind of petering out. Uh, <laughs> I feel like they have they have been rolling for so long, uh, but the last two weeks they've looked a bit lethargic. And I think a lot of people got to see them play against Miami because it was um, you know Christmas Eve, right? And and it was one of the national um, games that I think that was in the 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 Detroit audience's viewing uh, platform there. So a lot of people saw that game. But I can tell you, a lot of us see a lot of Cowboys games. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can tell you though that that game didn't teach me as much as the game prior. 
Um, because Miami does not run a de- an offense like the Lions. They they run a very different offense. And so when you watch how they defended Miami, it's very different than how they defended Buffalo. And Buffalo is runs an offense that's m- more closely related to how Detroit runs their offense. And so I think the Buffalo game is going to tell us a lot more about how the the Dallas is going to want to approach the Lions because what we saw is now the Cowboys have like a, a they have a light defense as it is they run like with a lighter unit a lot of defensive backs even one of their off ball linebackers is a former safety so they really don't have a traditional like stop the run type defense that you see nowadays what they've done is they've gone lighter and more athletic to try and stop the pass, which is why they're so good at it. But I think that also leaves them vulnerable to the run, to the run. And so, for example, against the Bills, the Bills ran the ball 49 times. 49. You know why? Because Dallas couldn't stop them. They ran the ball 49 times for 246 yards. All right. The next week, the next week, the Dolphins, who are one of the better rushing teams in the NFL, only ran for 91. So why is there such a contrast? It's all about the blocking scheme. The the Dolphins use a lot of outside zone or they use a lot of um where they'll either like follow the follow their blocks or they'll use the the cutback lane. Dallas is so athletic that that outside zone does not work. They can get they they flow with you and they can get to the sideline before you do. They also are fast enough to hold the cutback lane. So Miami had almost no success running outside zone against the Cowboys. It just wasn't there. But when they use their gap power, which is what the Bills ran, they were gashing them for like 10 yards a clip because the Cowboys do not have the bodies in the middle of their defensive line right now to stop gap power and the lions run gap power better than anyone in the NFL right now, in my opinion. And the, and the bills gave it a beautiful blueprint on how to run against the, the Cowboys. This gap power that the bills were running was just, it was just huge open lanes. It looked like I was watching the lions rushing attack when I was watching the game, because I was like, this is exactly how the lions are going to run against them. So this is a potential huge advantage for the lions and the bills. Their their top guy. Um, oh my gosh. Right. Uh, uh, cook. Oh, James cook. Thank yeah, you. I was, trying, I, kept, I was getting Dalvin cook in my head. James cook is basically a, he's a, another version of Jameer Gibbs, just not as fast or, or as explosive, but he's a very talented back who can beat you in a lot of the ways, the same ways that Jameer gets can, can get you. And he put up like 176 on him or something like that. And it's this, he, that was a blueprint for Ben Johnson on, on what to do. Jameer might feast on this Cowboys front and the Lions are going to want to start with the run. All right. So what we've seen from the Cowboys the last two weeks is we've seen them struggle on offense and not be able to slow down the opposing defenses. Now with Miami, Miami chose to pass a little bit more, which plays into the, the Cowboys' hands, which is why that game was closer, in my opinion. The Bills ran the ball 
the Cowboys had no answer for it and the bills just smashed them. It was 31 to seven with like seven minutes or, or 31 to three with like seven minutes left in the game. Like it was, they were just playing prevent looking to run the clock out when Dallas finally got their touchdown. So why is the offense, why has Dallas is off? So if you can run on the Cowboys defense and that's going to be a big part of your plan, why is the offense struggling? Well, the offense is struggling for a variety of reasons. Okay. But it, a lot of it comes down to turnovers. The Cowboys have created at least one defensive turnover in 11 of their 15 games. The four games where the Cowboys failed to create a turnover, they lost every single one of them. And the one game that they lost where they generated a single turnover was the same game that, that the Cowboys offense turned the ball over four times. Turnovers are going to be a huge factor. And if you look at the last two weeks, Denver has not, or Denver, Dallas has not created any turnovers on defense the last two weeks. And both of those are unsurprisingly losses. The week before that, they generated three and they won, right? Being concise with the ball is going to be huge. Now, Dallas also has 41 sacks on the year, which is uh, top 10 in sacks. But they only have four sacks total in the last four weeks. So their offense or their their offense isn't putting up points. Their defense isn't knocking people over the way that they were previously. And then the the kind of cap on this is Dallas commits 7.2 penalties a game. That's 31st in the NFL. <laughs> no, excuse me. I'm getting excited here and I'm starting to run out of breath. <laughs> it's not a good sign. They, they commit a lot of penalties. And because they commit those penalties, and it's not just the frequency at which they commit those penalties. In the in the in the last two weeks, they've committed at least four penalties on third down by their defense to extend drives. And in each one of those drives, they end except for one, they ended it in a the opponent ended it in a touchdown. It's the timing of when they're committing penalties. It's the fact that they're not generating sacks, that they're not generating turnovers that have crippled them the last two weeks. Now, if you want to tell me that Dallas is a different team at home, I completely understand it because the numbers say it. They are completely different at home. But the last two weeks, they have not played up to their level. They have not created turnovers. They have committed dumb penalties, and they have not created pressure enough to get sacks. And as a result, they've allowed points. And then their offense has played behind, enforced it, and then they have not scored points. And that's why Dallas has lost the last two weeks. So, off my soapbox, we can start breaking the roster down. But I want to, but I just want to get to the point like, this is an extremely talented Cowboys roster, but they have been making mistakes in three critical areas. And that's why they've been losing. That's why they have not been in these tight games of late. And that's why I think they're vulnerable to the Lions. All right. We usually start with the offense. So we're going to, even though you talked a lot about the Cowboy defense there, we'll start with the offense. Brian Schottenheimer's group led by quarterback uh, Dak Prescott, two-time Pro Bowler. 
would say he's in the running for NFL MVP, although you don't hear much talk about him. It's been more about uh, Lamar Jackson and Brock Purdy. And I, I think Purdy. he was in the – I would argue he was in the race I, I, until the I last say, two weeks. Well, I, and he still should be. He's almost at 4,000 yards passing, 30 touchdowns, seven interceptions. Uh, the team's been playing great, although you have not noted over the last few games they've been struggling a bit. But up to that point, he's been fantastic. Uh, 30 touchdowns is the uh, best in the league. 30 passing touchdowns is tops in the league right now. Uh, he has thrown open uh, one of his receivers who ha- has the most receptions in the league right now. Like he, Dak is, is in my opinion, I think Dak gets a lot of, uh, he gets a lot of bad press. He gets well, a lot of people Cowboys that quarterback. Right. So it, I think that comes with the territory. I don't think he's in the MVP conversation beyond stats, right? Um, especially the, from the games that I still I saw. say he's a top ten MVP candidate. Uh, I think stats would agree with you that he should be in that conversation. <laughs> no, I, I'm with you because, like, it's a stats that's a stats driven uh, award, right? Mm-hmm. Um, at the same time, when I'm looking the games that I watched of Dak, I, it's not like he is the sole reason that they're taking games over and winning. Are they putting up a lot of points? Absolutely. Is he efficiently running the offense? Absolutely. Well, not, I mean, not the last two weeks, but he's he's been good. He's been good all season. And even in these last two weeks, it's not like he's been bad. It's just been the the offense as a whole hasn't really been great. And and I think he's just, he's part of it. And as the quarterback, though, he takes the most heat. All right. Running backs. Tony Pollard's the lead back, Rico Dowdell, Deuce Vaughn, uh, also in the mix of the backfield. Now we are subjected to a lot of Cowboys games. Rico yeah. Dowdell has been has been playing a bit more as of late. Uh, he was limited or estimated to be limited in practice on Tuesday, and he did not practice on Wednesday. So it's possible that he is injured and doesn't play. It's also possible he's getting good rest, kind of like what I, yeah, that might be very good for the Lions. Now, Tony Pollard, uh, they thought highly enough to, of him to franchise him uh, so that they could keep him, and they let uh, Zeke walk. But I think when you look at the numbers, I don't know if that you know played out the way that they want, right? Like in pure yardage, they're the 22nd uh, best rushing attack in the, in the league. Uh, but when you look at like their adjusted yardage, when you look at like where they're winning and how they're gaining those yards – the majority of the credit goes to the offensive line. The offensive line surprise, is the one. Surprise. Well, the offensive line is the one who's getting push. So when you look at those breakdown numbers, the offensive line is getting push. It's getting him numbers. And then he's just taking what's there as opposed to creating. See, like when you look at some of these advanced stats on rushing, you can see which teams rely on the offensive line and which teams rely on the backs. And then you get those rare cases where, like with the Lions, where it's like, oh, look, they have a good offensive line and a really good running back group, and that's why they're as good as they are. And there's like maybe four or five teams like that in the league. I bet you could name them, right? Like uh, Cowboys, San Francisco, Baltimore, right? Like it's those types of teams that have good offensive lines and good backs. This is not – this. Dallas doesn't have that. Dallas has a good offensive line. They have adequate backs that are taking what's there, but the backs haven't been creating the way that I think they were expecting them to. Now, Pollard, he'll get you 10 yards in a chunk at a time. Like he's, he's got some potential. That's for certain. 
at the same time, he's not a he's not a back or hasn't been a back this season where you can give him the ball and expect him to like you know break off 10 or 15 yard runs by himself. You know, get he's more of he's more of a take what's there type of guy. And that's been evident. I you know I it I like you said, Dowdell has been getting more and more run of late. And that's even though Pollard has been the guy, there's a reason for that. Wide receiver group, CD Lambs, the number one, leads the NFL in receptions. Brandon Cooks, Michael Gallup round out the top three. Jalen Tolbert, Kevante Turpin, Jalen Brooks. We'll see all those guys too. Yeah, so Cooks is is you know okay so lamb is the guy right like everything revolves around lamb you need to treat lamb the same way you would you you looked at justin jefferson last week you need to except he's not going to make those miracle yolo catches like justin jefferson does cd is more still gonna have a big game he absolutely can he's look he's a he's a great nfl receiver he's he's great he really is but they lean on him so much (laughs) Look, for example, the other two starters are Cooks and Gallup, right? If you add them to if you add Cooks and Gallup's catches together, there's still only three quarters of what Lamb has by himself. 109 receptions for Lamb, 43 for Cooks, 34 for Gallup. Okay. They just don't go to the other receivers all that often. It is the CD Lamb show. When they do go to another what offense does that remind you of? Well, then, oh, wait a second. Is, the one on the is, other side of the field. Well, this is Calvin Johnson. This is Calvin Johnson era type of thing. Like where it's know. like, he's the guy. Yeah. But I mean, where you're featuring him way more than you're featuring anybody else. Well, and so, that's kind of what's going on in Detroit. Yeah, no, I, I guess. Yeah. You could <laughs> you got, say that. Cause well, look at the, cause I was just looking at the, the, the pure stats. Sure. You've got, you've got more of the analysis behind it, but. 109 receptions for CD Lamb, 106 for Amon Ross St. Brown. You pointed out 43 yeah. and 32 receptions for Cooks and Gallup. After Amon Ross St. Brown, when it comes to wide receiver groups, Josh Reynolds 34, Khalif Raymond 32. Like it, you know, it's the yeah, same yeah. ballpark. Right, for sure. Mm-hmm. And look, if you can take Amon Ra out of the game, how effective is the Lions passing attack going to be? Right? They're gonna right. have their they're gonna have a tight end. Well, that's what the Cowboys have too. They Cowboys have, have tight that end. Too. They go have one good tight end that they go to more often than they go to their wide receiver too. Again, kind of like the Lions, um, yep. but it's 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 all about CD Lamb, right? right. So he's there, Amon Ra, right? So if you can take out Amon Ra, we've seen recently when teams have been able to to ISO Amon Amon Ra, and and it's they've the offense has slowed. It's the same thing here. If you can try and ice now, look. Lamb's good enough that you're not going to just completely, you know, right. get him off the field and Shut not. Him down. Yep. But last game, last game, they went to CD Lamb in the first quarter, then didn't target him for two more quarters, and he didn't touch the ball again until the fourth. Like they just didn't go to him on their own. <laughs> Excuse me, I'm getting excited. I'm like, I need to keep drinking <laughs> water here. Um, but Lamb is the key. You got to focus on CD Lamb because he's the guy that's going to make the passing offense work. All right, tight end group. You mentioned him for a second there, Jake Ferguson leading the way, putting up numbers uh, similar 
to uh, Sam Laporta. Laporta's definitely having a better season. Luke Schoonmaker and Peyton Hendershot are the reserve tight ends. Yeah. Um. So Ferguson's good. I don't think he's as good as some of the tight ends they've had in their in their history, but he's good. He's having a real good season as well. Like you said, uh, he's got 61 catches, so he's doing well. Uh, I don't think Schoonmaker has really settled in yet. Second round pick this past year. I think he's got a lot of potential. Uh, Right. But he's got, uh, I don't think he's playing quite up to his potential. And so they've leaned on Hendershot a little bit more as well. Again, I don't, I'm not, I'm not overly concerned about Hendershot's ability to uh, be a, a weapon in the passing game. Uh, but Ferguson is the guy that that you have to pay attention to for sure. Fullbacks, Hunter Luepke, offensive line from left to right is Tyron Smith, Tyler Smith, Tyler Biads, Zach Martin, and Terrence Steele. Uh, Luepke is, uh, they went to him a couple times, like two, three times on the opening drive. And then he fumbled, and then that was the it. That was it. The they did. they stuck. So I'm I'm I wonder if they'll even look his way uh, after <laughs> fumbling on the goal line against Miami. Uh, but yeah, the the offensive line is really good. Uh, Smith is their all pro, all world, been great forever type of left tackle, right? Uh, he has not practiced this week at all. Uh, so, and well, he didn't play veteran that maybe you hold out hoping he could just play on Saturday. He didn't play last week though, either. Okay. Yeah. And so not practicing or playing last week, then not practicing again this week is not a great sign. Now his backup, uh, Chuma, uh, it, um, Edoga. Edoga. Thank you. Edoga has, was their replacement. Now he's average. Uh, he's certainly not as good as Smith. Uh, he showed up on the injury report today. He he wasn't on the injury report and then all of a sudden showed up with a toe injury. And so now he's injured. And so will he be able to play it? Maybe he was limited, but if now you have an average backup and your uh, he's now limited with an injury that, that, that makes their, uh, their offensive tackle, not uh, spot a little bit more vulnerable. Um, on the flip side, Terrence Steele is having a very difficult year. Uh, he is the allowed weak link of their offensive line. He has allowed forty nine pressures, which is the third most amongst offensive tackles, and he will be tasked in trying to stop Aiden Hutchinson. So, if Smith is not able to go, which it kind of looks like might be a realistic possibility, both their tackles are going to be average to below average tackles, which is not good, which is not good for them. Now their interior is really good, right? Uh, Mm -hmm. Tyler Smith and Zach Martin are two guys that are terrific. Uh, The center I'm blanking on his name. Biads. Biads. You can't go wrong with the Wisconsin Wisconsin offensive lineman. Yeah. Uh, He's, he's good. Unless he's Aaron Gibson. (laughs) He's good to above average um, at center, but he's not as good as the two guards. The guards are really the uh, the primo spots for them. And so it's a good interior with some potentially suspect tackle spots. And it, with that being the case, it, there's opportunity. There's, there's opportunity for the Lions to get creative because the Lions blitzing has mostly attacked 
outside of the tackles or inside the tackle in, be- in between the tackle and the guards. So where the Lions have been blitzing well and a lot are the spots that the, the Cowboys could have some potential vulnerabilities. All right, flipping over the defensive side of the ball, the defense is coordinated by Dan Quinn uh, down in the interior um, of the defensive line. Demarcus Lawrence, Jonathan Hankins, Osa Odighizuma, and uh, Micah Parsons are you know going to be the main guys down on the line. Sam Williams, Mozzie Smith, Neville Gallimore, Dorrance Armstrong, Dante Fowler Jr., Tyra Sweet, Chauncey Golston. Those that's as you go down the roster, and they all play. They all play. They use a nice steady rotation. They bring four guys every time. They'll blitz a fifth guy. They don't do a lot of overloading blitz like we've seen from uh, Minnesota and Denver the last couple of weeks, but they'll bring a fifth guy um, quite often. Uh, The issue here is Jonathan Hankins. Hankins has not played in, uh, he did not practice or play last week. He, He hasn't practiced this week. Now they're saying they're hopeful that he'll be able to play at the same time, he hasn't practiced at all. So maybe he will, maybe he won't. If he does, if he is able to play, I don't know how effective he will be. But here's the thing. He's their best run stuffer. And with him absent, it's it leaves them very vulnerable. So he's got a knee and ankle injury he's dealing with. So he's got a couple of things. Uh, his In his place, you're going to see a lot of Mozzie Smith, another Michigan man, right? Uh, Mozzie, like... Uh, Schoonmaker hasn't had the impact that I think they were hoping he would. It's going to take him some time to to get going, and and he's had to be uh, part of their nose tackle group. He's he's been getting, I think, the majority of the the snaps from the reserves, and he's had to to take on a starting position with Hankins out. So, uh, Mozzie just hasn't found his anchor yet. He'll get there. Uh, I I you know I I've, I've seen this kid play up close, but. He's not there now. And because he's not there, these guys are getting gashed pretty good in the middle. Um, OC is, is good, but he's not great against the run. He's more of a interior pass rusher. Demarcus Lawrence is great. We've talked about him. We talked about Michael Parsons. He is potentially going to be defensive the best player, defensive of the player in the NFL. Yeah. He's, 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 he's going to be uh, obviously uh, who the lions have to deal with. But here's the thing. You know who the best offensive lineman in the NFL is, according to PFF right now? And a Sewell. You're you yes, I almost swore uh to to confirm that. And I it's a clean keep, show, Eric. We're gonna keep it PG. Um, yes, you are arguably going to have the best offensive lineman versus the best defensive lineman heads up uh this weekend. And Panay Sewell versus Micah Parsons is going to be TV. elite, elite TV. It's going to be fantastic. And look, Parsons is going to get his. That's what he does. But Sewell is also the best, literally the best tackle you can put up against him. And so it will be a fascinating battle to, to watch. Um, if Decker can play, that's ideal because you get him up against Lawrence. If not, you're going to have to get creative in defending Lawrence because he's a terrific player. But the middle's vulnerable, especially with no Hankins. That nose tackle spot is weak. And the gap power runs that Buffalo did, those are going to be there. 
And so I fully expect the Lions to try and bully the interior of this line. Because if you can bully the interior and slow down the pass rush, it sure makes the uh, the Cowboys' front a lot more ineffective. All right, linebacking group, and you can consider Micah Parsons a linebacker as well. But they only have really one, Damone Clark. They have one linebacker. Yep. Now they'll use Marquise Bell as he's their a other, but he's a he yeah he was a safety coming out of college. They, I think they technically switched him to D, to linebacker in a from. That's a how they have him listed. But he's the only um, weighs two hundred five pounds. So they drafted Demarion Overshone, the kid from Texas. Right. That was one like, of your guys. I loved him, and and he is a light, a light fast linebacker, and he was in line to basically you know, uh, have a contributing role, but he's, he's hurt. He got hurt. He's on IR. And so they've asked bell to kind of step into that role. Now we should also point out that Vanderesh is also on IR. And that's also, that's why they're kind of in the situation that they are. Mm-hmm. The Dallas Clark Vanderesh was expected to be their duo. Vanderesh is down. So they have Clark. Damone Clark. Damone Clark, thank you. So Dallas, uh, that was a nice pull from uh, the past. Uh, yeah, geez, Iowa. Colts TD. tight end Dallas Clark. Yeah, geez. I watched Dallas Clark destroy Michigan in person by himself. So oh, it's that is embedded. This is I, why I it's watched, embedded in his, his mind. For, firsthand, watched, I watched him take over a game by himself. And so I will, yeah, I'll never forget that name. Um, obviously. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, so they've had to switch how they use their their uh their their linebackers. In against the Bills, they used uh Clark about 90% of the time and then they used Marquise Bell about 75% of the time and they they utilized the two of them as kind of like their linebacker sets, but they're so light without that interior uh presence slowing them down. That's why Buffalo was gashing them. They just don't have the bulk because you're using a modified safety at the linebacker position behind uh, a, a nose tackle list defensive front. And so they're vulnerable. And with Bell being put into the same role again, he's going you're you're asking him to to fill the gap and he's just can like Frank's gonna get out on him. And Frank's just going to absolutely run him over. You know what I mean? Like they're going to run those little. Let's hope so. Right. Like that's, that's what Buffalo did. And that's exactly what the lions can do. They can run those little double team blocks where they shed and then they do out to the, to get the linebacker and then they can run that linebacker over. And, and when the linebacker is the size of a safety, it makes life a little easier. So Clark is good. I like Clark and bell actually plays very well. But you can run out because he's so light. And so, I mean, look, their backup linebacker, the only backup linebacker that they had was Rashawn Evans. He was a, a former uh, Titans starter for a long time, played at Alabama. I really liked him when he was at Alabama. He got cut this morning because he got arrested in San Francisco over Oops. the weekend. So he got arrested for – um marijuana possession or something like that i forget what it was i don't know what no, the not even a real crime not even but but i don't know like i don't know what kind of weight he had or anything like that but like he got arrested 
And they use that as an excuse to just cut him because he hasn't been playing well anyways. So now with Van Der Esch and Overshone on IR and you've just cut Rashawn Evans, you literally only have Clark and Bell as your only linebackers. And because of that, they've had to use five and six line uh, defensive back sets. They've had to use it a ton. So one that helps them versus the pass, but it makes them incredibly vulnerable to the, in the run game. And that's why teams like Buffalo just gash them up the middle with it. So if you can get past the line with a, with a nose tackle, this front or a struggling nose, struggling to find the answer at nose tackle, and you're not met with much resistance at the linebacker level, there's opportunity to get yardage on the ground. And I fully expect the lions to go after that because as good as Marquise bell is in like coverage, there's no way he's going to handle a, a Jonah Jackson or a, or a rag now or Ragnall a glass bearing down on him. There's no way there's, it's too, it's unrealistic to ask him to be able to do that too. Damone Clark was one of your guys. Oh he yeah. Had injury going into the draft though. Yeah, he dropped uh, all the way to the fifth round because of that injury, and so I look. I like I like Clark. I think he's he's going to be a real good player. Um, but you're you're leaving him out to dry here. Like you you're just you're not giving him much help up front. You're not giving him help next to him either. So you're kind of putting him on an island and asking him to do a lot, and that's that's hard. All right, the corners: Stefan Gilmore, Deron Bland, Jordan Lewis. You'll see a lot of them. Nashawn Wright. Eric Scott Jr. and Noah Igbenohene. Uh Gilmore has had a really good season. Uh, I think most people kind of thought Gilmore might be washed, uh, but he's come in. Pro he's, Bowler has been played, strong this year. He's played, he's played very well. Um, his brother is on the Lions, right? Uh, hasn't played, may not play this week, but his brother Stephen is uh, his younger brother Stephen is is in the Lions cornerback room. So that's an interesting uh, connection. Uh, Gilmore thoughts played well. Uh, Bland is, I believe, still leading the NFL in interceptions, right? Um, or if he's not, he's at least leading them in pick sixes. I know that. He's right. got a ton of those. <laughs> five, five pick sixes, Jeez. eight interceptions, I believe he leads the league. Let me check. Um, and so he's playing well. And so when you have those two outside corners playing well, uh, that's that that works real well with your, with why your, your secondaries had so much success against the pass. Now they're also missing Trayvon Diggs, who's on IR, which is the big loss for them. Uh, but they've played well, even without Trayvon Diggs. And so uh, it's a real credit to them and um, a real credit to Dan Quinn to be able to have them performing at the level that they do. Now, Jordan Lewis, another Michigan guy, he's struggled a bit this year. I don't think he's quite the Jordan Lewis that uh, we remember. Uh, Jordan Lewis, who made one of the best interceptions I've ever seen against Wisconsin, his senior year uh, where he just like levitated and just hovered in the air and made a one-handed interception. Uh, Phenomenal. One of the best interceptions ever. He's going to have a tough task trying to, trying to guard Amon Ra in this game. Um, Jordan is quicker than than fast, and he's he's not as physical as he once was. And I think Amon Ra, if he gets manned up on Amon Ra, 
that that's an advantage for the lions the the areas if you again if you look at the advanced stats on passing defense the areas that the cowboys are weak is over the middle and deep over the middle and so again this sets up for amon ra so if you're gonna you got opportunity to run it and if you're gonna pass it the weakest part plays right into where your strength is with amon ra and sam laporta so it's a good matchup for amon ra in my opinion all right, yeah, Deron Bland still leading the NFL in interceptions. Um, the safeties, J. Ron Curse, Malik Hooker, Donovan Wilson. We'll also see Israel Muka, Mukuamu and Wanye Thomas. Uh, and Hooker has been hurt as well, but he is he was limited, and I think he's practiced in full today, so I think he might be back. Hooker is one of the um, he was one of the, he's always been a really good rangy safety, even back but when he played at Ohio state, that was one of the things that got him drafted high was he was also a really rangy guy, but they love them. Some J Ron curse. They have been playing the crap out of J Ron curse and curse hasn't been playing good. I don't understand like why he, <laughs> Like he keeps he these coaching staffs fall in love with him because he's six four and like two hundred and ten pounds. Like he was on the Lions. Like if you're like, mm-hmm. why do I know that name? He was on the Lions with Patricia. Right. Like he has talent. He just hasn't been playing well. He's been com- he's one of the guys that was committing those penalties I was talking about, like on third downs. Um, but Donovan Wilson, the other guy who's been playing the most opposite curse most of the time, he's. He's been playing bad too, in my opinion. He, um, I believe he, I don't have the numbers in front of me. I'm going to have to look him up real fast. But I believe he leads the team, their team, in missed tackles with six. I believe the QBR, uh, when targeting him in coverage, is in the 130s. So, like, he's not defending the pass very well. So, like, if you're passing on him, you're usually completing, uh, yeah, it's 136.4 QBR when when targeting him. Uh, his PFF grade is below average. Curse's PFF grade is dismal at, like, 39. His coverage grade for uh, is, like, 39. So, when they run Curse and Wilson out there, this is why they're weak on the deep middle part of the field is because these are the guys that are being asked to cover and they're struggling with coverage. Now they're good in the box. They're nice and physical. They can do a lot. They can, there's things that they can do, which is why they find the field. But like I said, Wilson's got six missed tackles on the season that he's that, I, that, you know, I'm conscious of. And so they're again, if you're going to attack, this is where you want to attack them. And because right down the middle is where they have these problems right at nose tackle, right at one of the linebacker spots, right at their two uh, their two safeties with w- when Wilson and Curse are on the field. That's how you attack this defense. And that's what the Lions offense does, is they attack the middle of the field, they attack you with the run game, and this is where the, the Cowboys defense is vulnerable. They have the most talented player in football on defense. They have a, uh, a Demarcus Lawrence, who is incredible. They've got 
a lot of guys that are playing above average. They have incredible the turnover numbers. machine at corner. Yes, yes, they've lead. Yes, exactly. But they're vulnerable in the spots that Detroit is best at. And that's why I think Detroit has a chance to score. So like if Dak Prescott and CeeDee Lamb are getting, you know, yardage and putting up points on Detroit's defense, I think the Lions offense, because of how they operate, can attack this defense. They can go after them in the middle of the field. Like they used six defensive backs against Miami like 80% of the time. Now they're not going to do that against Detroit. I expect it to be lower, but they're still going to bring out like three safeties and three corners. And they're still going to put a lot of stuff out there, but Detroit has the personnel to bully them. Dallas is tough, but they're not, they're not bullies. They're just not right now. And maybe they have been in the past, but this is not a team that's going to walk in and try and bully the Lions offense. If anything, I think the Lions offense has a chance to bully them. And so that's what I'm going to be looking at. I'm going to be looking at trying to smash them in the mouth with the run and then hit them over the middle with the pass. And the Lions have shown that they have the op, they they have the the players to 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 make noise when you can do that. So it's good defense, but so is the Minnesota defense, and so is the Denver defense. And the Lions can put up points against the Lions put up points against those. They can put up points against uh, the Cowboys as well, in my opinion. All right, kicking game for Dallas. One of their strengths: the twenty-eight-year-old rookie Brandon Aubrey has come out of nowhere. He's hit every one of his thirty-three field goals, nailed a sixty-yarder. Right. handles kickoffs although he has uh he hasn't made all of his extra points but he's missed he's three. the breakout kicking star of the nfl right. <laughs> if there is he's such good. a thing he's good yeah. eight eight for eight field goals 50 yards and longer Ooh. i tell you he it it, it looks it, it, when you watch him kick and it looks like it's gonna hook and it's like starting to hook and then all of a sudden it just like straightens out. It's Draws crazy. Back straight. it, yep. It's crazy. He's he, I guess, right? I mean, right. he I, it's 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 because when when the ball leaves his foot, I've I, every time he kicked and when as soon as the ball left his foot and it started the arc, I'm like, he's gonna miss this one. And then I'm like, oh wait, he hasn't missed yet. So and then it straightens out. It. Right now, like so. Um yeah, he's been good. He's been very good. He was drafted in the MLS, right? Never kicked at Notre Dame, right? He, oh, I don't is remember. Is that who he is? I I don't remember. I just no. know he hasn't missed. And I know he was uh great research on the kicker. But if we I, are I not known for any no, it's not your fault. This is not a kicker knowledge show. We <laughs> it's not one of our strengths. It's okay. Can't be graded at everything. Punter. For the Cowboys is Brian Anger, 35 years old. He's got one Pro Bowl slash, you know, all pro type season on the books. He's having a better year than that this year, averaging 52 yards a kick, 46 net. Yeah, he can boom it, right? He can, he can, he can, he can boom it quite a bit. So, um, pair of excellent kickers for the Cowboys. Yeah. Yeah. This is why, I mean, this is why they're sixth, right? This is why they're right. sixth in DVOA. They're, they have really good kickers that have been performing above their uh, career averages. Or you know, exceeding or their, anything uh, their expectations. For Aubrey. Yeah. yeah, yeah, right. And then um, they have a they have a good uh, they have good potential kick returner too with uh, Cavante Turpin, who does their 
punt and kick returns. He's he, he's a guy who can who's got some juice to him as well. So um yeah, good numbers on returning can... good numbers on returning kicks for Turpin, not the greatest punt return average, but uh he's a guy who's a reliable guy back there for the Cowboys. The uh long snapper, Trent Sieg. Let's give you a shot here. Do you know anything uh, about this long snapper? I looked up his PFF numbers and they were right. like in the 70s, low 70s. So that's good because for long snappers, you don't usually see those higher numbers unless you're really on your uh on your task. So that's I mean, that's good for him. That's all not right. all well, I know about him, huh? We met the Dallas Cowboys. Now it's time to uh pick a winner. I know you picked up the win last week because I I remained um pessimistic against the lions chances i didn't think it was going to be that easy to walk away with the division title and i was proved wrong Uh, and that gives me the win right because now i'm nine and six with two games left it is my first my first (laughs) maybe the uh, first of many i believe so this is our seventh year wow uh doing this and our seventh season and in our previous seasons I don't remember if we've tied three times or four times, but I know you've won every other time that we haven't tied. So you've either won twice or three times. I don't recall if it's three and three or two and four or whatever, but this is my first one. So uh, I'm very proud of myself. Uh, yes, all, good it, job. all it took was the lions winning the division for me to right. figure out what's going on. <laughs> Become an 11 win team. And it's on, it's on Eric's side. I mean, that's what it was, right? Like, uh, I, I I do think if the Lions didn't have 11 wins, this would probably be in your hands again because probably. I I tend to be too optimistic. And uh, I tend to be too pessimistic. So it makes sense why the first <laughs> six years have gone the way they've gone. But um, I'll be happy to take this one. I'm still behind you in the overall uh, wins column. So I, I still got to catch you next year. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for this one, I, I think I've, I think I've gone over my, why I think the lions can win. Uh, I think I've really stressed that a few times during this. Uh, right. so I'm going to, I'm going to pick them to win again. And I know it doesn't matter, um, where we're at. Well, but, we still make our picks. Uh, but yeah, I think we, we absolutely should just still make the picks and, um, I'm going to pick the lions to win again. I think when I first sat down and looked at this Dallas team, they look awfully scary on paper. And then when I put the games on that they played recently, they didn't look as scary to me. And then when I started digging into some of the other stuff, it made me think they're, uh, they're more vulnerable. And so I'm, I, I'm feeling the lions have an opportunity to make a statement. And I feel like, they're going to run the ball on the ground and I, and there's going to be opportunities in the air and I'm expecting a big, big scoring game in this one. I'm going to say lions win 35 to 31. All right. No, that's a good one. Back in 1994, Dallas Cowboys um, did not win the Super Bowl that year. That was when they had their, that was their gap year. In uh, San Francisco <laughs> with Deion Sanders and crew, they ended up winning the Super Bowl. Uh, Cowboys lost in the NFC Championship game to the 49ers. Now, during that 1940, uh, 1940, 1994 season, yeah, Cowboys went six and two. 
at home. Not as impressive as the current 7-0 they got going, but it is worth noting they lost a game to the Browns late in the season, 19-14. Um, but in a wild Monday night football game, Jason Hansen drilled a uh, overtime field goal to lead the Lions to a 2017 win, a thriller on Monday night football in Dallas. One of the watershed moments of my youth. You know, I was I was woken up from sleep to dragged back out to watch the end of that game to watch Hanson down <laughs> that field goal when they came back from commercial and I'll, I'll forever remember it. That's not going to happen this go around. I think the Cowboys are going to end up winning 30 to 29, but it's a Monday night crew again. Yeah. Monday night. Crew right? That Monday night crew. I think that was Al Michaels, uh, Frank Gifford and Dan Deardorff way back then. Wait, what did you say the score was? Just so I write it down. 30 to 29. Um, I, the more you were talking, the more I was like, "Whoa!" Oh, that they were. I was going to pick it up. The win. They. I'm like, you have uh, them winning on Monday night, like the last time the Lions won uh, the division and had a playoff game and won a playoff game was against Dallas back yeah, in ninety one, yeah. right? And so, like, I thought you're setting up this whole arc of like, what, look at all these thought, similarities. Look yeah. at these. They won the, the last time they won. It was against Dallas. Look at this leg, 1994. Look at this. I think you, uh, you think you may be uh, underselling the whole reverse curse things here. Because uh, I think there's a chance. There's, a, there's, I think there's a real chance that some of the curse work can come into play, except in Alliance favor. It doesn't say who the, uh, the announcers were in this game. I'm checking out the box score. You're on football reference. It's very disappointing. <laughs> Boy, I can't remember. Uh, well, it was Monday Night Football, and that's and I, right. that was that was an Al Michaels did the one. You know, it's a, I guess it's a game twenty nine years ago, so it really doesn't really matter. Uh, yeah, so what? that's that's where we're at. We feel All two right, different it, ways. Plus, I gotta go. I gotta go right. against you. We can't be on the same page. In nineteen ninety four, Monday Night Football crew was Al Michaels, Frank Gifford, Dan Deardorff, and Lynn Swan. All right, I nailed it. Yeah, Lynn Sw- yeah, yeah. Swanee on the sidelines. Yep. Right. So you were right. That was the crew. Uh, right. I'm a, I I uh, I've completely flipped my thoughts on this game because I went in thinking well, you dug it in. Well, you know, and then you know you see the opening bet line and you look at the numbers and you're like, man, this Dallas team is something. But when you start looking at them a little closer and you start seeing like how flaws like the lions have flaws, it's a lot of these NFC teams have flaws. Right. And so all the teams, there's some vulnerability except for the Ravens. It seems. Yeah. Same thing. Except they roll stinkers out there every now and again, for whatever reason they have. And even the 49ers who look like they don't have flaws all of a sudden don't, uh, they don't win games. They lose well. at home to the Ravens for some reason. Right, right. <laughs> and Purdy looks um, terrible. So it's an exciting game. It's a, the potential is exciting. Will it be this, you know, show stopping, exciting moment for Detroit to to you know keep their momentum and the positive energy going? you know, forward as they go into the playoffs. I sure hope so. Um, Decker doesn't play. They're going to lose. You think it's that simple, footsteps huh? golf, you know, well, he'll be, 
it'll be all over the place and it'll Certainly be easy for them to harder. stop the run once that starts happening. I, and that that's I mean, they're six and oh with uh, the starting group, you know, and then not so great when everybody else is out there. You'll still point, oh, they still have won five games without that main <laughs> offensive line, but you know, they need those, they need the main five. I do think losing a tackle is arguably the hardest spot for them to replace just because they don't have good reserves and the best reserve they, they wanted uh, is on IR in, in in Matt Nelson. So it's a, it's a position. I believe they they'll need to address in the off season and uh, let's hope Decker can play. All right. Uh, Apple Podcast, we got a got a boost on a couple of ratings. No new written ratings. Same thing with uh, Spotify. So we appreciate that. Everybody who uh, went out and reviewed us over the last week, especially during Christmas week, but maybe you're I not know. that busy. I um, I had a lot of nice comments this week uh, from people who had tuned into the show, or um, you know enjoyed what they were listening to from us. You know, uh, one of my, uh, one of the guys that we talked to over at pride of Detroit, um, I believe it's the same guy, um, in, in their, in their Twitch chat. Um, his, his name is, uh, Swaz Kazi, uh, cage. He was telling me like how he went to the Minnesota game. He listened to it, our podcast, then <laughs> went to the Minnesota game, uh, and drove with his mom, and then and then him and his mom listened to it uh, on the way uh, as well. And so, like, so he listened to us twice. So, like, yeah, that's great. That's how, the more, the merrier. That is, uh, I don't even listen to us twice. So, uh, well, that, but what, I appreciate you, that you do listen to it twice. <laughs> you you live it once, and then you listen to it again. That's you do true. live it I will, twice. I will. You know? I will check it. That's true. But um, yeah, look, I mean, like. You have to love, like the man to go to that game had to have been a blast. So, um, oh well, yeah, sure. With the way everything turned out, yeah. So, uh, the traveling hey. uh, Mary Lions fans—they've had quite a season, and now they get to enjoy the excitement at home. Uh, that because it's Barry be Sanders game, 94, 40 rushing attempts, forty. <laughs> they gave him the ball forty times, one hundred ninety-four well, on the ground. Yep. This is I, there's parallels. The Bills ran it yeah, 49 times. Yeah, yeah. Lions cracked over 200 on the ground. They had 47 carries for 206 yards on the day. Mitchell chipped in with three yards. Derek Moore with nine. The other 194 by Barry. <laughs> now I don't know if Gibbs is going to do 194, but I think Gibbs is the nice perfect. Did. I think he's the perfect back. Uh for what they want to accomplish and uh and where the the type of back that Dallas has had a problem with. So I I'm I, they match up a lot better than I thought. And so um let's hope uh let's hope they keep their their hopes for a higher seed alive. Yeah, well the wind just makes things even even more exciting. Who knows what they can end up with. Pressure's off. That's one thing going in their favor. Pressure's really off this Saturday. You know there's if they would have lost that Vikings game, I th- I think they think there'd be 
a lot of lot of concern going into this game. Now it's yeah, whatever happens happens. Hopefully they show up and hopefully they they come out with a bang and hopefully they have a good they have uh you know a good game plan in place and you know they it's one of those games where they show up and they they'll be in good shape. You know they might not necessarily win, but you know they keep it close and show that they're not afraid to go because they might have to go there. You know, in a second round, in a divisional round of the NFL playoffs. Sure, if, they, if Dallas wins the division, if Dallas ends up winning the division. Yeah, 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 certainly. And the Lions win their first playoff game, but that's that's uh, that's a long ways off. Yeah, you know, before yeah. we're talking about Lions Rams and Matthew Stafford's return to Ford Field to play a playoff game at <laughs> Ford Field, which he never did, is a lot. There'd be uh, the stories coming out of that one will just make the internet explode. <laughs> lion's internet explode yeah i mean look it'll make the national media will fall in love with it i i don't want to see it i personally don't uh want to i'd rather have this for curse purposes though it's the best matchup (laughs) although do you really want to see him play the seahawks again after what we've seen the last two years i don't know i think they're they're due i think they were a coin toss away from beating the seahawks you know what i mean the coin toss went the wrong way and there you go um you know, it's tough to beat a team three times in a row, and the Seahawks have, have won two. So I think that sets up well. It's also a different Lions team, in my opinion. Um, Every but... one of these opponents is a minefield for them going to the playoffs. Oh, yeah. yeah, well, I'd rather face Seattle than the Rams, personally. Here's the deal. I want the I want the attention to be on Detroit. I want it to be, look at what Detroit has accomplished. If it's the Rams, everybody's just going to want to talk about Jared Goff getting revenge and Matthew Stafford returning home. Like that's all they're going to talk about. I don't, I don't want it to be about a guy who played for us three years ago. I want it to be about the people, the guys that are playing now and what Dan Campbell has accomplished that something that hasn't been accomplished in 30 years, that should be the narrative. That should be where the focus is what the, this this incredible season needs to be hi- highlighted and spotlighted i don't I, if the if it's the rams it's 90% of it's going to be stafford and i don't care for it i don't i don't i don't want i don't want it i don't want to see it i don't want to <laughs> see that attention i just don't there's it's it's rewarding it's so much attention is going to be on the Rams when it should be on the lions. And I think that that's, uh, that might be good for the lions. No, but it'd be, it's terrible media. Like it's, it's low, (laughs) it's low hanging fruit. Like it is, it's just, Mm -hmm. this is a dramatic storyline and there's so many parallels and who won the trade. I get it. There's a million storylines. I don't care. Celebrate this team. This team deserves it. And the fans deserve to see this team celebrated, not the guy that that wanted to be traded away three years ago. Look, I love Matthew Stafford. I think what he did as a Lions quarterback is phenomenal. But you know what? He wanted to leave. He's been gone three years. I don't want the Lions' first home playoff game to be about him. All right? So give me a different team. <laughs> oh, this is going to be great the next couple of weeks. This, uh, <laughs> this turns out. All right. That's it. We've we've gone a while here. I think that'll be enough for today. All right. All right. That's all we got for this week. Everybody enjoy that Cowboys game. Don't forget it's on Saturday night. And until next time, let's go Lions.